Kerry Adams and you're listening to Kerry's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Good morning, everybody. And this morning, I've got a very, very, very special guest in my studio for you. It's Tim Atkin. Tim, hi. Welcome to Carrie's Connoisseurs. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Do you know what they always said? I was just telling my sound engineer this morning that when Mary had her baby, she was going to call it Tim Atkin, and then she kicked her toe on the, t- on the coffee table, and he ended up as Jesus. So, you know... Well, that's that's very sweet of you to say so. Thank you so much. It's such a privilege to have you in the studio with me. It really, really is. We're going to delve into all the reasons why you're here. But anybody mm-hmm. who is vaguely interested in wine in South Africa knows that you are our guru. You're our go-to. And thank God you've shown a massive interest in our wine industry, which really has helped to elevate it to, this, to the levels that it's getting to. Tim is a master of wine. He's also a master of economics. European economics, that's a contradiction in terms. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, very true, actually. Yeah, the, yes, uh, if you look at the common agricultural policy, you could say that. No, it, was, it was called European Studies. It was a, mas- <laughs> a master's in European Studies. So it included history and a bit of politics and some economics. History is also I mean, not allowed course, anymore. No, exactly. Well, well, history was fine. I was good at history. I was yeah, me. economics. <laughs> I'm a terribly good. I'm definitely. It's the maths. I can't do the maths. Can you once? No, you have got to do the maths, Timothy. Because as you get older, you realise that the whole world is governed by maths. Yeah. But anyway, that was very clever of you to do a master's in economics. If you couldn't do maths, I don't know how you did that. (laughs) But it's but it's good. It's good. Tim developed an interest in in uh, new world wine producers, really, not just South Africa. But let's focus on South Africa. Why South Africa? When did you first come? I first came in 1990, uh, and so it was after Mandela had been released, and I thought, okay, it's time to come, and I'd been quite vocal and, and anti-apartheid, obviously, and I thought, I'm going to go and look at this place. And there were people starting to do really interesting things uh, in, in, in the Cape, not just with labour relations, but also with the wines that they were making, and I was fascinated by the country. I wanted to go there, and I was lucky enough to read a few good books by good journalists. I mean, in those days, The Observer, which was the newspaper I was yes. writing on, had Alistair Sparks as their... As their God, you remember Alistair Sparks? That's and right. And I got a chance to meet up with Alistair Sparks. And, and so we talked a lot about politics. I've always been interested in politics and history. And I read a lot. And I thought, God, this is a fascinating place. And I kind of fell in love with it. Um, so I kept coming back. And eventually I, I married a South African. But a South African. I was going to say, there's something well, more to this. There's something more. You met a South African girl. I know but that. But I didn't, meet, didn't even meet the South African in South Africa. You know, I, I met her in London. So, so <laughs> okay. she got to live in London. So, I've, you know, it's kind of one of, it's one of my two other homes. My other home would be probably Argentina, where I feel very much at home. And people say I'm quite Latin in a sense. I mean, I don't look it. I'm blonde, obviously. But um, <laughs> that, I've got, that I've got Latin blood. You know, I like dancing and I like singing. Have you ever like done, have you ever done um, one of those DNA tests? No, no, I should do, actually. I'm it, too scared. Really but, you know, there's only yeah. one person in the industry more controversial than you. Yeah, and that's on. me. And the two of us... <laughs> the two do, of why don't we do it together? <laughs> I think we should both do it. 
And I bet you there's going to be some alien blood in there or some funny left of centre chromosome that we didn't know well, about. We'll it was find very it. interesting that a friend, a friend of mine did this and he found that um, it was all sorts of interesting stuff in there, as you said. I mean, it's not, not just stuff, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all African in a sense, aren't we? You know, but, but I think that, that, that there was other really interesting bits of DNA he had just had no idea about. I, I mean, know. But I think that's fascinating that we're... we're we're, we're all immigrants, you know, we're all... Um, we're of course all we are. In a sense. <laughs> and I quite like that. Well, we are, but I like that, don't you? Well, it makes us all, all equal. I, well, and that's why, that's why I'm very... I've never liked people who are sort of nationalists. Who say, you know, there's a lot of that in England at the moment, you know, you say, you know, English English people should be... should be the, should be be able to trace their ancestry back to... We're all Brits, you know. We're, well, we can box stuff. a bit because I do like certain yeah. aspects of nationalism. I love singing God Save the Queen and I love those no, parades of, of down is, the mall and all no, of that. I think all of, all of that is brilliant and I love that. I think yeah, so we'll stick to that. Patriotism. I think yeah. this is the stuff where Patriotism rather say, than nationalism yeah, maybe. I think, I think I'm happy with that. We can agree on that. But with, I think we're both going to do this test. We're doing we the DNA We're going to next time you come. How long are you in South Africa for this time? I'm, I'm here just for a week this time but I'm back in March. Uh, I come in March and June. When you come, you come and stay at Shea Adams. And we're going to go and do the, <laughs> do the DNA test together. And we'll decide whether we release the results to the world or not. I, I think that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so, Tim, you met, you came in 1990, and the wine was pretty appalling in 1990, let's be honest. I studied in England, yeah. and I came back in 1994, I think, also when I thought that we were going to be able to dance in the streets together. Yeah. And... The wine, I'd been drinking, obviously, European wine and, yeah. and being rude about Napa in those days because it was big and buxom and blousy and what have you. But yeah. we've had to say sorry to them recently as well. But nevertheless, the wines in South Africa were dreadful, mm. with the exception of a few. Yeah, I don't think dreadful is dreadful's an overstatement. No, we've got to be harsh. You know, we've yeah. got to, you've yeah. got to make them rise to better heights. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they were mostly dreadful. They were mostly wood and alcohol. And yeah. overripe fruit. Yeah. And if you think back, or if you think to now, how unbelievably different they are. Because, I mean, they're just shooting the lights out, some of them at the moment. And that's why I'm talking to you today, because, guys, Tim's report has been released. It's the Tim Atkin South African report, which is the 11th of its kind. It's gone huge. It's 319 or 20 pages or something. I'm afraid, I'm it's, afraid so. It's comprehensive. It's unbelievably good guide to what you should be drinking in South Africa. And we're going to unpack a little bit of it now. But tell me about the beginnings of that report. What drove you to do such madness? 320 pages. You could write a novel. The, the original one was about 98 pages, I think, so it was comparatively small at the time. And I, I used to write for a newspaper. I had a, a weekly newspaper column in The Observer for, for, for 20 years. Until they got came, stupid. Well, it came to an end, basically, and it, it got literally reduced to a column, you know, and, and I thought, I don't want to do this anymore, so I stopped. And I thought, well, I need to do something else. And so I started writing these special reports. And I started doing France because I studied French at university, so I did, I did Bordeaux and Burgundy. And I thought, which New World country should I do? Which country do I like most and do I have a, an affinity with? And I thought South Africa. So I started with South Africa and I started... So was it your first, your first New World report was South Africa? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was yes, it was. Because I, I you, also like Spanish, you also like Spanish, don't you? I also like Spanish. I do. I, 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 I'm a big Hispanophile, so I write reports on Rioja and on Ribera del Duero as well. So, yeah, mm. and, and Spain is... Spain. I basically like Spain, South America and South Africa. 
So it's, it's anything with an S in the title that sort of appeals to me. Really. I hope your genes are going to throw some of that in the mix. Maybe six. I don't know. S. What? But what happens what? If, it, if I find out that I'm German or something? Or, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We won't, we won't divulge it. If we don't like the result, <laughs> Flemish, if we don't like the result, we'll change it. Okay. So... So from South Africa, you started going around, and let's tell everybody how you amass the info that goes into this report, because it's comprehensive and substantial. Tell us. Well, I, I always go and visit people, uh, and, and the majority of the wines that are in the report are based on, on visits. So I go and sit opposite the winemaker, I mean, sometimes the owner as well, and sometimes the owner is the winemaker. Uh, mm. I tend not to do it with PR people or marketing people, because I find that they're trying to sell you something that's their job Um, and I I taste the wines and I write notes and I do scores and I always write them by hand um, in a little I do too I've still got a fountain pen that I write well there we go I've got a quill pen beat that (laughs) do you take (laughs) no but but I, I, I sit and write the notes and then I get home and over a period of kind of six weeks to two months I, I write this thing and it's now 100,000 words. I mean, you know, it's not War and Peace, but, it, but it's, it's yeah, as you said, it's the length of a, of a novel, which is crazy, really. But anyway, I know. You it, could be making it a huge bestseller and be rich and we could travel yeah, around the world. Wouldn't that be great? But no. <laughs> Drinking wine. <laughs> but, but, please, so, please buy the report, folks. Every, every little help. That's what I was going to say. Everybody, yeah, so Tim, you can shout from the rooftops yeah. now, where do we go and buy it on a www. Tim Atkin, or what do we? How do Tim they Atkin. buy it? Com, yeah, uh, modestly named after myself, and it's the it's it's under special reports. But if you okay. go onto the homepage, you'll see it there. It just says South Africa report out now. Well, we'll Please link buy. it. I'll link it to one of my newsletters or something. Oh, one you're of really the kind. clever children will do that for me because it really is worthwhile. So, do you choose the farms before you come to South Africa, or do you sort of meander and find farms along the way? Uh, yeah, I, pretty much I, I choose them and they tend to be the same ones every year but basically I, I have one of the things I've done in the report and I've always done has been to classify the, the, the estates or rather the producers and I use something based loosely on something called the 1855 Bordeaux classification which divided them into first growth, second growth third I'm so fifth, pleased because I've always said before I die I want appellation control in South Africa because I think it yeah. was the single biggest contributor to bad quality wine because yeah. people people had farms and they were just planting Chenin and Chardonnay yeah. and everything on one farm and we all know that it's sort of yeah. now organically evolving that cab it's yeah. it's definitely changed I want your comments on it but you must notice it as you go around the farms no, 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 to see who's planting what no, that just finished that thing and point about the classification was that the people I go and see tend to be the people who are in my five, top five tiers, really. And there are 25 in each, so 125 producers. And then I also do grouped tasting. So I do, you know, I might go to Parle and taste eight producers from Parle or go to Franchuk and taste a dozen producers from Franchuk and, and sit there with them for an afternoon or a day and yeah. do that. But I, yes. tend, I, I like the face-to-face. I mean, you know, it's like we're, it's much interview we're doing now. It's much easier even if you're doing a, a, a you know a, a radio interview or a podcast if you can see the person you're talking to. Absolutely, like there's that. an energy, isn't there? You need to share I, that energy. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is another thing. We've got so many things to talk about, but I don't want to steal you for too long because I know everybody is very jealous. They all want Tim. Um. It's, it's easy to rate good wine. 
Yeah. It's not so easy to rate mediocre and entry-level wine. And in a country where we have 62-odd million people who yeah. drink brandy and beer, yeah. and we rarely want them to drink wine, yeah. they can get 26 drinks out of a bottle of Clip Drift yeah. with a bit of Coke or ginger ale or soda or whatever. Mm. And they can get maybe three drinks out of a bottle of vino. Yeah. How are we going to convert these people if they are paying 200 rand a sip? We need to find something and somebody who is going to send them on the ladder up to Urban Sardis Wines. Do you I, do I that? Yeah, I, well, I can try. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting that when I was researching the report, I didn't realise, to be honest, but I do now, that the, the average price of a bottle of wine in the South African market is the equivalent of 30 rand a bottle. I mean, it's, you know, because most people are drinking bag in box or things like that, so they're drinking exactly. beers, as you said. I mean, we have to remember that not everybody, you know, has the money to afford more expensive wines and that some people can only afford that, right? And that's, that's sad. And I'd rather they drink wine than beer or barty brandy, or, or me even, too, or, make, or make, the, make their own hooch, right? I mean, I some know, and which is dangerous. Um, but you're right. I, I think the, the key, the key battleground, if you like, battleground is the wrong word because it sounds too aggressive. But the, the key area, if you like, that the industry needs to develop is between sort of you know sixty rand and and one hundred and eighty rand, one hundred two hundred rand, right? And and I think there's a lot of good wine. In, in that category, I mean, you know, in my report, I do value wines of the year, and yep. I don't taste the very cheap wines. I don't, I don't do Fourth Street and stuff like that. But, uh, but I, but uh, I think you're very right that that we the industry can't can't live by Eben Sardi's wines. I mean, you know, they're fantastic, uh, and everybody aspires to drink them and indeed to be like Eben if you're a winemaker. But mm. you're right to get to get more South Africans drinking better wine and to trade up and to make the whole industry more sustainable we yeah. need people to trade up from 40 rand to 80 rand or, or even 60 rand that that i mean if you know if the average price of a bottle of wine in south africa were not 30 rand but 50 rand that would transform big difference right? so you know what i'm gonna do i'm going to i'm busy chatting with some people at the moment we used to have a thing called the good value wine guide in south africa which was sponsored mm. by one of the big liquor Chains, yeah. and it, it it died a bit of a miserable death. And I'm trying to revive it. I'm going to phone you going forward, and I'm going to make you come to South Africa, and you and me are going to put that thing back together again. Because I agree with you, you've got to have Volkswagen Beetles, and you've got to have Bentleys. You know, you can't have yeah. all Bentleys. So, you phone up all your wine farmers, and you make appointments, yeah. and you come to South Africa, and you have a gorgeous time. How long do you spend putting that thing? Or you came three I, I, times, didn't you? Yeah, I, I basically come for 10 days in March, just, uh, uh, you know, so I, I usually kind of during vintage or at the end of vintage, um, then I come back in, in June for a month, um, and that way I can taste the new vintage, so this show yeah. is tasting the 2023 Sauvignon Blancs and things like that, and a few Chenons, not the red so much, and then I come now in September to, for a week to launch my report, so that's why I'm here now, so three times. Don't you love the Chenon Blanc in South Africa at the moment? I think it's incredible. I think it's your strongest white grape variety and the diversity is amazing. And, and also if you think where it's come from in 20 years, you know, the 20 years ago it was regarded still as a, as a workhorse grape. Um, and now, you know, it's still a workhorse grape in some instances, but it's a thoroughbred too, you know, I think that... Well, you know what's so amazing 
is that it is it used to be steen as you know and it was chaptalized yeah. to hell and gone and it was always sticky sweet on and or it went into brandy and god bless the kwv it was the backbone of the financial sort of skeleton of the south african yeah. wine industry was shen and blank because brandy mm-hmm. made all the money but when i was at Vasti and we were all studying and what have you there was there was shen and blank in Pupsucker in bags and in boxes, and you could buy. I mean, honestly, Tim, it was like (laughs) fifty cents a liter. You could buy the stuff, but it was all sweet, and so nobody took any notice. Then we went years ago, isn't it? Yeah, not even ten years. How old do you think I am? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, born the same vintage was a very good year in Bordeaux. It was. was. (laughs) I know. So you know what I need. Wait, I need to switch this phone off. I've got a somebody. It was 1982, Tim. That's when it was. I need to switch this phone off because it's not switching off, and there's somebody very persistent about. I don't know how you switch it off. Cal, I don't know. There we are. Thank you. Sorry about that. So, so Shannon Blank was like the the sort of financial vehicle of the South African wine industry and, and they used to make it largely at the cooperatives and the bulk yeah. of it went into brandy and that's, that was Shannon. And then we started seeing a few Shannon Blancs coming out of not even the Swartland really. Yeah. I remember working for Anglo-American Farms and Boschendal made a Shannon Blanc that was just delicious at one stage. And I was used to these Loire Shannon Blancs and I do love Chenin Blanc. I think it's a gorgeous, such a generous grape. And all of a sudden, these beautiful things started coming. But do you think that the Chenin Blanc has surpassed the standard or quality of Chardonnay in South Africa? Because I think Chardonnay is our grape. I, I think they're they're on a par, you know. But I think, but I think the thing about Chenin Blanc is that not many people make great, great Chenin Blanc. It's really, you know, it's the Loire Valley and 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 South Africa. Whereas Chardonnay, everybody makes good Chardonnay these days, you know, from New Zealand mm. to California, obviously Burgundy. Um, Germany makes good Chardonnay, you know, Australia. I think I've mentioned. Australia. Do you think it's just Japan an easier grape? Japan. Yes, it is actually. It, it, maybe maybe it's maybe it's more adaptable. And I think the thing about Chardonnay is it's a great variety that you can manipulate in the cellar by doing things to it. You know, particularly malolactic fermentation and the way you ferment it. I think Chenin is slightly more, is slightly truer to its place, to its terroir, to its origin. Um, mm. So I think that Chenin needs to be planted in the right place. And you're right, what you said about the KWV told people to plant Chenin everywhere to make brandy base, as you said, Thank and you. that was good and bad. In that yeah. some of the places it, it, it ended up in were very good and others were, were less good, frankly. But mm. the scattergun approach worked. And a lot mm. of the oldest vineyards in South Africa are Chenin Blanc vineyards. Well, I'm going to say, strangely really. enough, yeah. those ones that you've found, you've been very instrumental in yeah. weeding out those Shannons from the Swartland. Yeah. I think that the, the KWV said, oh, you know, we, we just need this as a workhorse and a vehicle for our, for our, our balance sheet. Let's yeah. go far away where it's hot and dry and bloody awful, and we'll just put all the we'll put all those vineyards there. Nobody needs to see them, and we'll just harvest them every year. And those are them. Those are they. Yeah. You know, they become I, gorgeous. I'm, I'm sure you're right. That, that I, I don't think it was scientific at all. <laughs> it, was just, <laughs> it, you know, it was. It was just just go for it. You know, and, and you know, by definition, if you just throw all these things at a wall, some of them are going to stick. And I stick. think the, the good the good ones have stuck. Yeah. So now. I suppose everybody's saying she rabbits on and on and on and on. All we want to hear is some of the results from this report. <laughs> and you and I are making a party. 
winemaker of the year, Beverat. I love him. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and I really thought it was time, you know. Big time. I actually posted a thing on Facebook. I'm not a huge social media type person, largely because I don't know how to work it. But there was a thing about Brevere being named winemaker, your winemaker of the year. And I just said, what an incredibly difficult choice, because we do have, we do have some seriously good winemakers in South Africa. How did you choose him? Consistency, I suppose, is one big plus. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? In, in, in some ways, the term winemaker of the year is a bit of a misnomer. It's, it sounds as if yeah. you're giving it for the work they've done in that year. <laughs> That's part of it. But I yeah. think it's also, it's a track record award. And I just thought, yeah. you know, he was instrumental in, in promoting Shinner, as you said, taking it from, you know, from those those rather humble origins and believing in it. Yes. You know, and he, he, and he makes three or four different Shinners. And, and there's always been the guy who... Um, you know, got behind Shinner, one of them. I mean, Ken Forrester was important too, obviously. Um, and I think they've been champions of Chanel. He was also a champion of Cabernet Franc when Cabernet Franc wasn't known at all. And we um, love Cabernet Franc. We want yeah. more the Cabernet Franc. champion was the Polka Dry Hills. Uh, Polka yes. Dry Hills, you know, people regard Polka Dry Hills. It was the cheapest land in Stellenbosch, particularly. Well, it's a bit of an ugly duckling, Tim. Let's be honest. It was, Polka... it was a fifth of the price of Helderberg land. And so yes. that was, you know, he went there partly because he wanted the granite sauce, but also because it was cheaper, you know, that you mm. could afford to buy the grapes from there as a as a young winemaker. So, again, it was partly chance and, and happenstance, but 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 also um, I, I thought he deserved it. I mean, and also I think he's a great team player. He's he's, he's a South African person, you know, very South African. He's great you know, and Brian he was... likes rugby and he, he's a team player. <laughs> he's a team oh, right. player, do you know what I mean? You just chose him because he's a boy. You, I love you boys. It's very simple and very easy <laughs> no, to understand I... you all. He also was one of the first people to embrace um, one of his black mates and bring him into the business. And it's been a very successful partnership under the radar. No singing from the rooftops about, ah, look at me. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think I think that's exactly right. And, and I didn't want to emphasize that too much because I don't think he ever has. But, you know, he, it's my show. We can say brand. what we like. <laughs> we can be as rude created, as we like. Yeah, he created a brand, you know, an icon brand uh, and mm. priced it at a high price um, with with high ambition with a Zulu winemaker, you know, Fabulous. as a partner. I mean, that was, in, you know, 2004. Yeah, and we loved it. We all, we all just embraced it and accepted. And there was no, as I say, no singing from the rooftops about it. No, I mean myself. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he never he's made really a deal nice. about it, did he? he? Never made a big deal about that. Marilis Niman, memento. Yeah. I mean, every Afrikaans joke has got a Marilis in it. Let's just be dead honest. <laughs> now, this is not a joke. She's real and she's alive. <laughs> I've, se- I've seen the YouTube clip actually. I can't say it on your. I can't say it on your thing, but there's a, you know. There is. <laughs> yes. Talk to me about Marilise. <laughs> t- there's a funny story about this. So, Marilise has been in the frame several times. I don't, I don't know if you know Marilise, but she she looks very young. It. She's looked the same for you know it's for like ten years. Like a baby. Years. <laughs> she a baby. And I said to her, Marilise, it's very difficult these days to ask people how old they are. You know, the, the years. You know, we're in a Me Too world now. And so we don't want to be offending anybody now, no, for goodness sake. Do you? I said, Marilise, I hope this isn't a rude question, but can I ask how old you are? And she said. I'm 39, but I turned 40 on the day that South Africa play Scotland in the World Cup. And 
I thought, shit, that's just before my testing. So I said, okay, if I give you the young wine maker, you'll still be 39. I'll give it to you today. So she's got it. So she got it on Tuesday. And and so Mary Lee's, I mean, she didn't get it because she's 39. She got it because she's brilliant. And I think she's championed a lot of these great varieties like Grenache Blanc, you know, uh, and Grenache Noir, Grenache Gris, Tinta Barocca, which Mm. are kind of climate change varieties. And I think, you know, obviously the climate is getting hotter and, and drier mostly not this year so much in the cave but i mm. think that it's it's very important that she's championed those great varieties and that was one of the reasons i wanted to give it to her no it was very well deserved and i agree with you i love all those varieties and i've always maintained that we do have a mediterranean climate here and we should be planting mediterranean varietals here I'm and it's totally only hey it's only recently i can remember many years ago when i dreamed of one day speaking to you and you were saying that Shiraz was probably going to be the red varietal of yeah. to come out of South Africa. And I agreed with you then because yeah. of our Mediterranean space. Yeah. I'm not sure I still rem- I'm not sure I still agree with you. We can box on that one a bit. There's some lovely Shiraz coming out of South Africa, but the, I mean, in the report, the the most successful great variety was was Syrah this year. I saw, I saw that. Yeah. And then I am going to box with you because I want it to be something else. I want it to be something else, but we'll talk about that another time. (laughs) Viticulturalist of the year, Vili Mostert. That farm that he works for is like a bit of an iconic age-old. It's Veltefreda, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable property. Unbelievable. Do you know, know, I don't think I've ever been there. and I've never met him. And so (laughs) I got somebody to phone him from the PR company who was fixing up all the interviews and everything and, and, and say, Billy, we need a photograph of you and we need your CV or bio. And the message came back, <clears throat> he doesn't have a photograph of himself, he doesn't no. have a CV or a bio, and he doesn't <laughs> want to come to Cape Town to receive the award. <laughs> <laughs> so of course he doesn't. He's only got a 300-year-old safari suit. He's not going to dress up for you. <laughs> so I asked Mary Lees, because Marilise buys grapes from him and everybody loves Marilise. I said, Marilise, can you phone him up and charm him? So Marilise phoned him, got his daughters to take a photograph of him, got him oh, to sweet. write a short bio with her and he came to the event with his wife and received Oh, did he order. come? And, Good and for I you. Said, I said, you don't have to say anything and he said, thank you. That's okay. No, it's just... And, and, it's... And, and it, you know, he's salt of the earth and, and that kind of... I love I love those people, those kind of farmers who, who you know, they, their families have worked the land for generations. They love their vineyards. They love their land. And he's been genuinely innovative in bringing in all these great varieties, again, with climate change in mind from places like Spain and Portugal and Greece and southern France. You know, I think yeah. he almost saw this coming 20 years ago, right? Yeah, I think, you know, if you, it's, oh, you know, it's like cooking with love. We know that even if you boil an egg with love, it's my... Boiled eggs, my death row meal. If you cook one with, it is honestly. I'm going to ask you what your boiled egg. I ask everybody I interview, what's your death row meal? I'm going to ask you too. Mine is boiled egg, the perfectly boiled egg with a 1959 Latouche. Oh yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And some soldiers to dunk. (laughs) What's yours? I I think mine would be would be lamb cutlets. Really? Yeah, yeah. How would you do that? On the braai. On the braai. On the braai. I mean, the kind of, the way they do them in Spain, basically. So they cook them over, over, over vine cuttings. Uh, mm. And when I'm lechazo, so when I'm, I'm going to Ribera at the weekend, um, you know, it's wall to wall lechazo, folks. You know, there's a lot mm. of lechazo. I think I'd, 
I think I'd have lechata with a with a nice bottle of Vega Sicilia. I was going to say, what were you going to drink with it? Vega yeah. Sicilia, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, as long as you're paying. Mind you, if you're I'll on death pay. row, it doesn't really matter, does I'll it? Pay. I was going to say, we'll steal the money. <laughs> we don't care. We don't. Have, we have to be tried for it afterwards. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so, so um, Vili Mustard, he's our viticulturist, co-op of the year, Dash, Dash Bush. I thought that yeah. was Whitey Besson. Wasn't that Whitey Besson's farm? It might have been, but I think they're now a producer-seller, aren't they? I hope so. Otherwise, they could get to the wrong person. Otherwise, we don't. Well, let's skip that one in case we made a bugger up there. But <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure they're a, they're a producer-seller, yeah. I mean, producer-seller is, is sort of a group of producers, isn't it? I mean, I... I, I um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been in the frame before and loved the wines this year, basically. Again, I haven't tasted things. them for ages. Haven't well, the great varieties like Columbar, you know, which is, again, it's a slightly unloved grape variety. If you get the right plot, and it's, a, it's an old vine project pro, a plot there, Columbar, and they're doing great things with Cinso, again with Chenin. No, oh, I thought there was an outstanding, but we hope That's... co-op. If not, I've made a boo-boo. Okay, and we don't mind because... <laughs> We can always gloss over that one in another interview. <laughs> Wine-making legend yeah. has to be Etienne Lariche. I was so yeah. chuffed when I saw that. He's one of my favorite people. Yeah. His wine, that Cabernet Reserve, and that little son of his has just sort of yeah. slipped very easily into Dad's shoes, and they're yeah. making fabulous wine. It's world-class. I agree. I think they're making the best wines they've ever made. I mean, he always made great wines, and he made great wines at Rustenburg as well. And I've known him for a long time, and he's, he's, getting, he's, one of these people, he's very modest, isn't he? He's a quiet I person. I know. I and, love and, it. You know, he's, he's not, he just, he's always just got on with it. But I just think, you know, what a, what a tremendous winemaker and tremendous oh, human being. Really. Gorgeous. And that's why I'm going to box with you about Chiraz. How good. <laughs> because that Etienne Lariche Cabernet is. Mm. Head and shoulders taller than any Syrah in the country, I think. Well, it got, it, it got and there's a few others. So it's close. I know. Yeah. yeah. It was a clever move, that um, clever move. I would have given it 99. <laughs> I got something right. <laughs> Best cellar door experience, Blauklippen Vineyards. That's fun. It's one of the oldest properties in the country. And what, that was a total fluke. That, that I was actually at Blauklippen to taste a bunch of wines from Robertson. So the Robertson producers came to Stellenbosch on a Sunday morning and um, because obviously Van Loveren now owned Blauklippen and we were tasting the wines and I just thought, what an incredible place. All these kids running around. There were parks, there was a market, there was great food, great staff. And I just thought, this is what wineries should be like, you know, a place where people can Absolutely. go with their families. They can go for a meal on their own, you know, with their, with their partner if they want. But it's just fun. And I just it, thought they've yeah. they just so got, they got the vibe right. You know, and I think you know, what you were talking about earlier is how do we persuade people to drink wine who are not exactly. wine drinkers? That's the answer because it's not threatening. 100%. They, don't feel they have to know how to pronounce Gewurztraminer. I know. When they and turn there's... up, or they'll be laughed at in the cellar door. You know, they, 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 can <laughs> they will up. really, but they will really, yeah. but we're not going to tell them. <laughs> but they can turn up and just feel relaxed and have a glass of wine and, and sit there with yeah. their family or, and it, you know, sit on the lawns. It's a beautiful property as well, isn't it? It's you gorgeous. Said, one of the oldest of the lot. And they were chuffed. <laughs> they just sent me a message this morning. It was so nice. And. You know what it's like. The people people always whinge about stuff, and and, and oh. a friend of mine always says that complaining is free. That's why people do it. And I, I know. That, that, so boring. It's so nice when you get an email from somebody saying thank you. You've kind of made our year. That you know, to I be know. in the same in the same you know world as creation and and and, and Waterford and and um, you know and Delegraph, which are all fantastic at Cellador. So. Yes, and all got 
get trillions and Brazilians of rands behind them, you know. Well, exactly, yeah. and I think, has just changed hands. I, I think I know the person. This is the, the bloke who's yeah. just bought it. Well, they've got a share in it. They've got a 20% uh, share in it, and I know oh, the okay. other bloke. But I don't yeah. think it's been completely finalized, so we'll gloss okay. over that one as well. Yeah, yeah. Overall, I'm just saying that was why I turned up. That's why it was there, really. I'm so pleased yeah. you went. It's brilliant. It's something yeah. that needs a big pant and some Botox in its bottom because I think it's... I think it's. We all need some Botox in our bottom. Oh, my God, I know, but I'm scared of injections, so I can't do Botox. <laughs> Sad. We're going to have to find a different alternative route to market for these wrinkles. <laughs> Um, Tim, Tim, overall white wine of the year. Earl Height, of course, Chris. Yeah. What a genius. What an absolute legend. Well, tell I'll tell you, tell you a funny story about this wine. So he didn't make it in 2020 or in 2021 because the vineyard nearly died, right, because of the drought um, up on the Citrus Dale Mountain. And the, the people received their scores. Uh, and, and he got this score for this wine, which was 99 points. It was the highest scoring white wine. And he's, I don't know if you, I'm sure you know Chris, and, and mm. he's a perfectionist. And he wrote back mm. to me and he said, I'm sorry to say this, but I think you've overscored the wine. Are you sure? <laughs> oh, bless him. And as I said, lots of people moan about their scores. But in the history of this report, no one has ever said you've overscored my <laughs> Too wine. Too much. But he, but he did. And, and he said, do you want to reconsider? And I said, no. I tasted that wine over three days. I got alongside a lot of other really top shinners. Um, and I said, I'm sorry, but I'm sticking with my point of view. And <laughs> Thank goodness thing, you did. Well, the, the really funny thing and the extra funny thing was that um, I, I gave the list of the wines we needed to have certificates done for to, to Billy, who does the admin for the report. And, and I got the vintage wrong and I wrote 2021, not 2022. Real crimes, right? So we had a certificate printed that said 2021. There was no 2021 because it wasn't made. And I realised this. And so I phoned her and said, we've got to do... so." We had to change the certificate, new certificate. Anyway, we presented him with both certificates. So he got the 2022 <laughs> certificate and the 2021 for a wine that he never he made. He never made. <laughs> so That's he, okay. I think he's going to put the 2021 up on the wall in the winery. And can you imagine... It's an in, joke. Can you imagine in like 300 years' time, people trying to uncover this misnomer and say, but there was no 2021. Well, how did he get an award? And there'll be a whole conspiracy around that. He's brilliant and it's well-deserved and that Shannon is delicious then Boschkloff do you know that I remember Jacques when I first came back to South Africa I was working at Anglo-American farms and Jacques was working Jacques Bourne was working with the um Ruperts at yeah. Lamotte yeah. he was a winemaker at Lamotte I think oh, and do you know the first the first South African wine I ever bought was a 1991 Lamotte Syrah made really? by Jacques Bourne no and loved it, and I took six bottles home with me from South Africa. Ah, oh, you see, I the, also loved that it. The first, first wine I ever bought, and I think I'm right in saying that the grapes that went into that Shiraz or Syrah Same were, were, were from the Polka Dry Hills. I think they were from Rainica, or part of them from Rainica. So, so he then bought land, you know, in and around the Polka mm. Dry Hills and set up Boschkloof, and his son, obviously, Renan, is now making the wine with Jack. But they were both there to get the award. And so it, was, it was a it was a nice sort of circularity to it, and it's, it was about my history with South Africa, as yes. well as as well as Syrah and the way it's developed, but also his history with South Africa. And it, it, you know, it, all these moments are, are emotional because they're about the Excuse passing me. of time and generations. And well, they're emotional and, and for old history. people like you and me. The yeah, youngsters exactly. couldn't give a rat, you know. But anyway, <laughs> but I know what you say. The old thinker. We were born in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> we already agreed that. <laughs> so. so. I was so pleased about that because Jacques Bormann is a very unsung hero of the South African wine industry. He's yeah. quietly made 
absolutely F off wine for the last yeah. 40 years in this country. Yeah. And he's never really shouted about love. Our winemakers actually in South Africa are quite nice and humble. You know, normally a winemaker comes with an ego that you can't get through the front door. Yeah. It's horrible. Jacques is one of those seriously under the radar people. He's gorgeous. His son is doing exactly the same. And I love to see. So, guys, you're not going to get any because there's not going to be any available. <laughs> but it's called Epilogue Zero, and it comes from Bosch Clough, and it And it was Tim's red wine of the year, and quite rightly so. Overall rosé of the year, Leaflant, Leafkurs yep. Rosé. I have to say, I haven't tried it. Tell me what well it is. Well worth trying. It, 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 it's quite expensive. You know, it's over 200 rand, I think. I mean, for a rosé, that's quite 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 pricey but mm. it's very ambitious I think it's an absolutely fantastic wine and they've actually won the rose of the year I think three times now so really? the category is getting bigger having said that they keep winning it because I like the wine a lot I think you fancy his wife or something I've never no, no. seen it I've never heard of it I don't understand really? why you keep giving it this well it's the same team that owns Stark Combe <laughs> we like them yeah. is it the Spaniards uh, is it no, Jose? Uh, it's Jose Conde, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, he's gorgeous. American. We love him. Yeah, I'd, gi- I'd give him the maybe, award as well. Maybe you fancy him then. Yeah. His, his wife keep, is nice, but, you know, keep him a hand. Well, keep, let's leave that award. Let's leave the Rose Award with, with them for now. Um, sparkling Wine of the Year, Graham Beck. We love yeah, Peter. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. can't not. Peter, Peter and, 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 and Pierre, you know, now, the, the two of them together really doing a fantastic I job, I think. Um, yeah. And you know Peter, known as Bubbles, I think he calls himself Bubbles as well. But I think I think Graham Beck is the is the is the the best sparkling wine producer in the country. And you know their R and D work is amazing. And I think Graham Beck is just fantastic. And they also won the Discovery Award as well with one of their R and D projects. Yeah, I know. A lot of time and effort and energy and money and I hate the word passion because we keep that for the bedroom. But they do come with passion. Um. And their their bubbly is brilliant. It's yeah. world class stuff. I think and, and it's still better. Not expensive, really. I was going to say, speaking. I think it's better than some of those bubbles coming out of England. I'm going to okay. shoot darts at you that are so well, expensive. I'm, I'm I have to say I agree with you. I mean, I hope this mm. God, doesn't go out in England, but <laughs> it goes everywhere. <laughs> it goes everywhere, man. They're going to be hunting me down. In the, in the, Exactly, the byways of Surrey and Sussex that we are. Why do you think I've got this hunted look in my eyes? <laughs> it's a daily hand. thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, some of those English bubblies are very expensive, but they are nice. But when you when you put them up against the gorgeousness of Graham Beck and yeah. and Peter Ferreira's bub- own bubbles as well. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, there's no we real... Should, we should also mention the Lude and Conmont uh, and, and Silverthorne. You know, these are all... Very, I know. Villiera, they're all very good bubbly producers too. We make good bubbles. I'm going to ask you a hard question at the end of this interview. Go on. Um, white wine... Disco- oh, red wine... Disco- fortified and sweet. The Molyneux. Is yeah. that the Oloroso? No, not even that. It's just their straw wine. And oh, really? Is, 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 is even better, but they don't make that every year. Even, you know, it's, I know. Even, it's a non-vintage product. They don't release it every year. But this is the straw wine made from Shinna. What a wine. Man. I mean, I think it's got like 324 grams of sugar, which you, you think would be overwhelming, but it's got such good acidity and balance, freshness. I mean, everything they do is, is, is very smart. And she's a class. They're both a class act. And I love sticky wine. There is yeah. nothing more seductive than sticky wine well, in my I, life. I think it was a record number of sticky wines in in the report this year. Good. Because people don't drink enough sticky wine. I can remember one year, 
I was doing a radio show with Jenny Chris Williams on a yeah. Friday. Yeah. And I was interviewing Ken Forrester. Yeah. And it was fine. a... F I love him, yeah. It was Friday. We always did it on a Friday. It was a Friday and it was raining and cold. I was at Norman Goodfellas. The shop was going ballistic. I was, and I used to do this interview in the midst of all of this shit that was going on. And I ran upstairs to try and get some some quiet time and I, I honestly hadn't thought about what I was going to speak about on the radio that day. We used to do a, a suggested wine of the weekend. And here I had darling Ken and he was rabbiting on about stuff and he's, he said, what are you going to choose out of the thing? And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to choose your noble late harvest. He's got a thing called, mm. what's his wife's name? Uh, Teresa. Um, Teresa, yeah, tea. Yeah. Tea. So he's got Ken yeah. Forrester tea. Yeah. And it was rainy and cold and miserable and horrible. And I said, you know what I think we're going to do? I'm going to take home a bottle of tea and I get my lover to lick it out of my navel all weekend. Tim, we sold about 40 bloody cases that afternoon. So anybody who says that sex doesn't sell must think again. But aside from that, it was just, it's so delicious. Isn't it? I'm just trying to get that image out of my mind before we continue this. I know. It was a long time ago when I still had a navel, you know. <laughs> or you could still see it. I could still, I, or he could still see it. <laughs> my God, we're going to get taken off YouTube. Oh, no, no. <laughs> this is like semi-pornographic. So, <laughs> so it's, it's the Molyneux straw one, which we love. <laughs> Pull yourself together, Tim Etkin. <laughs> Fortified one of your Boerplas. We have, we have to speak about Boerplas because yeah. Coral Nell is yeah. one of our favourite people as well. Amazing. They, the, all of the Nells are great, don't you think? Uh, I, I think Boerplas is amazing. And I think what Margot's done, obviously, with, with Leon, uh, it's just been brilliant. They've no, been I know. Much. Have you tasted some stuff. of their wine? Yeah, they're brilliant. You know, and I think yeah. what they've done with, with Portuguese varieties, not just for Portugal, again, yeah. for making white wines. And again, they're thinking about climate change and a lot of the stuff that Leon's doing with the Fledge, you know, they're buying grapes from all over the Western Cape and mm. blending them. I, I, I think it's smart smart viticulture and smart winemaking um, to look across the Western Cape and think, how can I, you know, maximise its possibilities? Yeah, I do too. So that was really well deserved. And then Donovan Rawl. I want to run away with Donovan Raw. I had a tasting with him the other night. He's just gorgeous in his wine. He can put you in the palm of his hand and carry you In his pocket, I know. <laughs> Donovan Raw's 2021 CWG yeah. Nowhere Syrah. It's yeah. extraordinary wine. Incredible mm? wine. So that was 221 Syrahs. So Discovery of the Year and Red Wine of the Year were both Syrahs, both from the 2021 vintage, which I like very much as a vintage. I know. you saying 2021 is going to be your vintage of the sort of decade. I, I think, still... I think with 17, yeah. So far, I like 17. Yeah, 17. I like 17 and I like 20. I like very good 20. 20, 20 under, underrated. I think because mm. because it was the COVID vintage, you know, what we remember of 20 was, was how awful that was. And, I think, <laughs> you know, volumes were down and things like that. And I think a lot of wine was, was not made because people were worried about whether they'd be able to sell it, mm. you know, mm. and whether they'd be able to pick it. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was a... It was a strange time. I mean, thank God we got through that. But, you know, oh, I know. Right. It was, that was such bollocks. We'll have to have a program about that one day as well. But there's, we'll talk about the wines that happened during COVID and the wines that were consumed during COVID was even worse. Um, so Donovan Raw Syrah, it is beautiful. And then White Wine Discovery of the Year, Urban Sides Rotbank. 
Yeah. What is that? What is well, Rotsbach? It's it's a vineyard right next to him, where I think he's 38 years old, and he managed to buy the vineyard. I mean, even even though he's based in the Swatland, had never made a Swatland Chenin, because, um, you know, that Skirthberg obviously comes from Citrusdale Mountain, um, and that Mrs. Kirsten comes from comes from the Yonkersuk Valley, from Stellenbosch, mm. Stellenbosch. So he'd never made a Swatland Chenin Blanc, you know, associated with the Swatland. And so he'd finally made this wine, and you know everything he does is brilliant. And again, no, it is it delicious? delicious it is delicious. Get yourself. Is it oaky or what is it? No, it's not. No, never oaky. You know, he uses foudre and concrete. He uses his big, big, you know, concrete eggs, and he's using bigger barrels. His foudre. Um, so yeah, I mean, no, no, no problem buying that. I mean, you could probably get hold of it more easily. You can get hold of things like Mrs. Kirsten and, and maybe. You can't get Eben's wine in South Africa. You just can't. I've got. I've got, God bless his heart, a very boring retailer in Antwerp that I buy Urban Sardis wines from. And you ship it back to, to SA? Yeah. He sells them to me. You can't get them. Mm. So can't you get, you get time. on his mailing list? Oh, I don't really want to go on people's mailing lists in order to get their wine. Yeah. You know, they, either want, they either want us to drink it or they don't, yeah. end of the day. But he does make absolutely amazing wine. And listen, he does give Norman Goodfellows a nice allocation. <laughs> he does. But again, we should all have it. I'm a, I'm a communist at heart, but we'll we'll keep that for another time. Um, sparkling Wine Discovery. Graham Beck, Artisan Collection, Extra Brut. Yeah. I don't know if I like Extra Brut. I, it, I mean, I, I think extra brut works better, funnily enough, in a place like South Africa, where um, you know, very, it's, it's very, very dry style because you've got more fruit in the wines. I think we're extra brut in England. We've mentioned England, which is a much cooler, colder place. Mm. Um, it can be a little bit austere, you know. It, you know when you drink a wine and you think, "God, I've just sucked a lemon," or you know, or I've just been chewing on a on a sp silver spoon, you know, it's a bit. I know. So I, I know what you mean, but this wine is exceptional, and it's as I said, part of their R and D. Well, it's also had very long lees aging, so the fact that you know lees aging quite gives rich you, mm. gives you richness and softness and texture and, and all those sorts of things, and it's why it's why you know sparkling wines, top sparkling wines, are aged on their lees. That a lot of the texture and the flavours and the aromas come from lees aging, and that was certainly the case. How long was it on the lees for? Like two or three I knew you years. I that, and I can't remember the answer. <laughs> okay, I don't know. That wasn't meant to make you look like a. <laughs> but, but but I off off. I'm, I mean, the vintage. Can you check the vintage? I think it was it was old, wasn't it? Oh, it's a two thousand and nine. I'm yeah, sure it was two or three I, years, at least three yeah. years on the. Day. I think it was seventy two months off the top of my head. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's something. That aging aging on cork, you know, before before. Um, uh, after disgorgement, so you know, mm. it's it's a mm. wine that's had lees aging, then disgorged, and then aged on cork. He's um, nothing of Peter's is horrible, so I'm I'm happy yeah. to try it. But I always say, you know, people talk dry and drink sweet. I mean, if you that's, want something sort of Rubenesque and yeah. and yeah. sexy and round yeah. and gorgeous and full in your mouth, you're not going to drink something extra dry. But I'm going to try that. Um, best value white windmill cellar. Where did that come from? I just love the wine, and I thought I couldn't <laughs> believe that it was an OVP wine, an old vine project wine. Uh, at I sell, see selling, that. Selling at such a remarkable price. And I, I think in some ways it, it's a sad thing, you know, that these old vineyards are being used to produce something which is not that expensive. But I think a lot of what they sell is in bulk. You know, it's, a, it's yeah. in bulk. 
seller primarily. Yeah. But it just shows you that within these cooperatives, you've got things that are making these incredible little jewels, these old vineyards that can produce something pretty exceptional at great prices. So, I mean, that... Those are the things... Yeah. Those are the things we're going to go hunting around South Africa and find, and we're going to yeah. take. We're going to do the communist wine book for South Africa. We go. We're going to take the <laughs> the wine. Well, tear hook, tear hook, fantastic. <laughs> yes, Again, yes. Bargain, total bargain. Gorgeous, I know, yeah. I know. So that's something for everybody to go and look for. Vintmeal yeah. Cellars, Old Vines Project, Reserve Chenin Blanc, and you know, Paul is hot, and Paul is sort of a poor relation in the wine industry in the Cape, really. And I love the grapes that come out of Paul. I was speaking to Martin Smith from Passerine the other day. You know, mm. he's a gorgeous boy. Yeah. And he has got a vineyard that he buys, um, I think it's Shiraz from, yeah. in Paul, and one in Tilbach. And that's sort of Paul-Tilbach area where it gets, because yeah. it's like 44 degrees during picking time. You know, it's hot. Oh, yeah. It's hot. Although I was in Bordeaux one year when it was 44 degrees at harvest no, time. Well, and, and, and Tulbach is still part of coastal South Africa, according I know. to the ones <laughs> It's crazy. How effed up is that? But anyway, yeah. it's, Paul is producing some quite nice Chenin Blanc. They do. It's ripe and it's rich and it's honeyed and it's, it's lovely. So I'm happy. People, anyone can go and buy that Vintmeal Setters. Go and buy it, guys. <laughs> Best value red of the year, 2020 Alto Rouge. How on earth? But that's also Swartland, isn't it? That Alto yeah, Rouge comes. No, I'm sure it comes from this white club. I think. I think that it's probably some. I mean, this, I, my guess is there's a bit of everything in there. I suspect there might be some Stellenbosch because they certainly had. They certainly had vineyards before. I don't mm. know what's happened to the, all the old Alto vineyards. Have probably been sold off of there, but. Yeah, and you know, Distel sold everything off. I think yeah. it's half half beer in the bottle at this stage of the yeah. game, isn't it? <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> Little bit beer that starts with an H. I am. Um, I think that most of the grapes for Alto Rouge come from the Swartland. They used okay. to, anyway. Yeah. We'll try. We'll check. Yeah. We'll check. Who's Bloody making, who's making Alto at this stage uh, of the game? Is Beto, it still here? Beto. Yeah. Oh, really? It's okay. still there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So that's good. All those guys who go to the shop and they look for something for Friday night and the only thing they can recognize is Alto Rouge. Or, Alto Rouge is a, is, a, is a good brand. And it's or, and, and producing good quantities, you know. Probably, yeah. There are probably a million bottles of that, I'd have thought. Easy. Easy yeah. peasy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fabulous. I love seeing things like that pop up on a report like this, which is uber super impressive. And then best value rosé of the year. What did we do with that other rosé? What's this? Oh, best, this is best value. 2022 yeah. Noble Hill Mouvard. We like Mouvard rosé. We like Mulvedra, and I really wanted to reward Noble Hill because I think Christopher, um, uh, American owner, young, yes. dynamic, he's doing great things. And I think he believes in earlier picking and, and trying new things. And I thought that rosé was just lovely, delicious. So and you know that that farm, that farm has been intelligently planted. It was yeah. owned originally by a man who has left Johannesburg, I think, to get away from me. He was my doctor. And I... <laughs> He wasn't the guy with the sweet wine, was he? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. We never had that kind of a relationship. But put on Coburn, I'm terrified of doctors. So anyway, I think he ran away from Johannesburg to get away from me. And he bought that wine farm and it was in such a lovely space and spot. And he started making wine. He was a doctor. Yeah. But it was an 
it was an intelligent approach to wine farming, and you can taste it in the in the grapes. I think. Well, and I think the Simonsburg Pal is is an undervalued area, don't you? I mean, the, the, yeah. You know, people think it's Pal, but it's actually more Simonsburg than it is Pal. Right? Yeah, exactly. Then, of course, the best sparkling wine, best value sparkling wine, comes from the KWV Labourie. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Fabulous. It's an old bicycle that we all jump back yeah. onto every now yeah. and again. It's great. They've, That's got a, a they've, got a, they've got a great team. I really like the KWV team. They're, Do you know It's one of my most fun visits. They're funny. You know, they're actually they, they're <laughs> enjoying themselves. Marco's hilarious. <laughs> I know. And I love the wine that Giselle is making. No. Yeah. Fabulous. I once made the terrible, terrible blups of asking her what her husband's name was. <laughs> On a podcast, she burst out laughing at me. Anyway, she is gorgeous. <laughs> so they, that library brought, if you're looking for a bubbly for the weekend, yeah. it's fun. The spring, we're having, you're in Johannesburg today, hey? Yes, I am, yeah. I can't yeah. come to your tasting because I've got some other much better looking man that I'm going tasting oh, with God. later, Tim. <laughs> I'm sorry to miss it. Um, then the, st- the sweet wine for the year, this 2023 Van Leveren VRL, special late harvest. What's yeah. VRL? Mm. Very what does that stand for? I don't know. You'd have to ask that. It's probably I something. thought I didn't want to sit and look completely yeah. daft here, but I know what VRL is no, anyway. I don't know. It says VRL on the label. Um, and and uh, the reason I chose that was because it's got 36 grams of sugar. It's a very popular style. You know, again, yeah. this idea of how do we get people to trade up. and Yes. Like, like, I think there's not stigmatize them for liking wines that are sweet, you know, or have some sweetness. Absolutely and, right. I love that wine. I thought it was great value and, and just a lovely okay, drink. Okay, good. Okay, can we make it nice and freezy cold? and it's Gewürztraminer. Why not? We make it nice and cold and we have it with crayfish. I think so. So we're saving on the wine, but we're giving you an expensive lunch. We're doing our best. Like a typical communist. Best value, fortified wine of the year. KWV Cape Classic Tawny. There's nothing nicer than a tawny port. We're going to call it port on here because nobody on on this will know the difference. And (laughs) it is gorgeous, that KWV Tawny. We love it. Yeah, it's delicious. I mean, and what a bargain. I mean, it's one of the great fortified no. bargains of the world. I mean, that's just probably the single best value wine in South Africa. I, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah. And I'll just tell all the girls out there, if there's something that you specifically want, you know, girls like things in small black velvet boxes mm-hmm. and that, that shine, and they like things in garages with big bows on them. If there's something like that that you want... Buy a bottle of KWV Tawny and do the navel trick. I mean, a friend of mine said to me on my, on my, on my 60th birthday, and his advice was, can I say this live or not on your... Yes, your head, yes. He, he, he said, never trust a fart, never waste an erection. That was his, his advice. One kind of becomes old. more and more important. <laughs> exactly. becomes, becomes terribly important that I... <laughs> There are only so many left between 60 and death, you know. There you go. That's the thing. (laughs) Tim, your report is a triumph, just like it always is. I'm going to read through it very carefully, and I'm going to look at all the things, and I'm going to come back to you during the year, and we're going to catch up on more interviews because we have fun and we can keep telling everybody what to drink. We've had a lot of fun. We do have fun. I need to ask you... Because everybody knows that you're clever and that you've done an amazing amount for the wine industry and we need two million more Tims on the planet Earth. But there's some things. What about the man, Tim? Where were you born? 
I was born in Dartford uh, in Kent and the only other person um, that I can think of who was born in Dartford was Mick Jagger and I think the, I guess, the only famous ever famous person ever born in Dartford was Mick Jagger other than that you know it's my well listen That's it. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind being coupled on the tote with Mick Jagger He's, I mean, I, I love dancing and Mick's a bit of an inspiration. He's still going at 80 something, isn't he? You know what? I've been told that white people should not dance. <laughs> they look like a frog in a blender. You're not supposed to be dancing if you're white. You, You've got to look that, at my Instagram feed. Watch me dance on my Instagram feed. You, know, is you, it, you might change your mind. Well, that, that's the thing about the jeans again. Who knows? When you, <laughs> <laughs> you see those jeans? It's Hawaii. And you, you sing as well. I do. I love singing. Yeah. yeah. Do you play an instrument? I play the guitar very badly, largely, largely to accompany myself, yeah. Um, but uh, I do like singing very much. I played the guitar and tortured an audience in a steakhouse for a couple of years to pay for my university fees I've when, done I, when I was young. Same thing, same thing. No, I know, and, and alarmingly, the owner of the steakhouse concerned kept me on. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but he did. <laughs> so... We love to sing and dance. We like to drink wine. We like to grow wine. I, viticulture is one of my things. Did you love viticulture most in your course, or what did you love? No, no, I didn't. But I, I think I think I love people most. The, the, the thing I like most about wine is the people. Uh, but I do like the places. I mean, wine is grown, or grapes are grown in some very beautiful places, and I love. Oh, no. I was a, I was a city boy when really. I was brought up in London, uh, and I think that that. Wine has helped me to develop that side of myself and appreciation for, for nature and the seasons and you know, just kind of looking around you. I mean, I like taking photographs. That's another big thing of, of mine. And, and I think that photographing nature is something great too. Photography is good. You play golf? A little bit. Not as much as I used to, really. Sadly, I don't have the time. But go to the gym, try and keep fit, try and keep the flab off. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know your wife will find an 18-year-old. Be careful. <laughs> That's what us South African girls do. <laughs> then what book sits next to your bed at night? Do you read? I'm current, yeah, I read massively. Uh, and if anybody follows me on Instagram, I often post the books I, that I'm reading. I'm reading a book at the moment um, about, about the 1966 World Cup and the, the England team that won the 1966 World Cup, which was the last time we won anything. I was going to say, never won anything <laughs> since. Apart from the 2003 <laughs> Rugby World Cup. Um, and it's about what happened to them and the way they were treated. And it, it's a book about how we treat our heroes. I think a lot of them were treated very badly. So it's, it's a really fascinating book. I've got it here. Here we go. It's called Answered Prayers. Very good. So how do you think we treat them badly? Well, I, I don't think that they were, they didn't, they were kind of forgotten about, really. And, and a, lo a lot of them, some died very young and a lot of, you know, they didn't make a lot of money out of it. The rewards were, were small, really. They'd won the World Cup. And as you know, as you pointed out, we don't win things very often. But this year, who knows? No, we're not going to win it this year. So that's what you're reading at the moment. Have you got yes, children? No, no children. No. That was probably a wise move. I have but, one. Ah. And he not lives a wise in. Move. It just didn't happen. But... Yeah. Well, you know, he's look at the world that we've got at the moment. It's quite a tricky world to sort of introduce people into. Right. I've thrown my child into the wine world in in England. The poor thing. It's not what he had in mind at all, but that's where he is. If I were to say to you, you've got a bucket list, and I know that you've done lots of the things on your bucket list because you're a high yeah. achiever. Have you got, what's, your, what's your biggest thing left that you really want to do? Places I'd really like to go. I'd like to go to Japan. Never been there. Uh, I'd like to go to Bolivia, and I'm going this year. 
and I would like to go to northern India, I think to Rajasthan. Um, not for wine, obviously, but just to, to see the place and take photographs. So those are the three places I'd like to go to. Other than that, um, I've probably been everywhere I really want to go. You're a legend. I loved Thank speaking you. to you. I'm Thank going to you. catch up with you again lots. And next time, next time you come to Johannesburg, it's Shay Adams. I won't turn your bed down. We're, we're going to have dinner. But we might get the sticky wine out. We're going to get the sticky wine out and we're going to have the DNA test. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such fun. Thanks. Thanks for everything. Cheers. Bye. Bye.